You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. First Samuel chapter number 17. I know it's difficult, but we're cutting right in the middle of the story of David and Goliath, and that's hard to do. But I want you to look at verses 43 through 46, and I want you to think about the wording here and exactly what the Bible, the Scripture says. 43 through 46, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 43 through 46. The Bible says here, starting in verse 43, and the Philistine, talking about Goliath, said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou would comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and I will take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the, to, of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, and into the wild beasts of the earth, and all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." How many knows there's a God in Israel? Amen. I want you to look back to verse number 43. Watch this. This is what Goliath, first, this is how he started his conversation with David. Am I a dog? You would come to me with staves. And the Philistine, watch this. He cursed David by his gods. In other words, the Philistine, Goliath, made claims that his gods was greater. I feel that tonight. And then David says, he doesn't even recognize his height or what he come to him. He said, you come to me with a spear and a sword. He doesn't recognize his gods at all. He gives no attention. And he says, I'm come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And this day, I feel that in my spirit. This day, all will know that there is a God. <laughs> Can I tell you tonight? That if you will stand in the fight that you're fighting in, somebody's going to know that there is a God that is alive. Because if it's the fight that's supposed to take you out and to destroy you, my Lord, I feel the presence of the Lord. It's supposed to completely annihilate you and your faith. Somebody's going to say, <laughs> there is a God in Israel. There is a God that they are serving. I just want to encourage you for a moment. I'm going to talk to you about this thought. I'm going to teach and preach, but this thought tonight, fighting to believe. Fighting to believe. I'm just fighting to believe. That's all I'm doing. Will you bow your head, and will you help me pray that God would direct the remainder of this service? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful, God, for your presence, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we've already felt, that we've already experienced. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and God, that you would anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking you to do something that I can't do, and that is to encourage, to build up the faith in you, Lord. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm a messenger, Lord. 
I can do nothing without you. I pray in the name of Jesus that we are built up, God, and that we look to you and that we trust you more than what we did when we came in here tonight. And I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. The fight of faith is the very fabric of our relationship with, that we have with the Lord. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because God can do nothing for us if our faith is not right. And we differ a little bit than what maybe a lot of churches preach and teach, but we are specific and we continue to echo the truth that we believe that uh, faith is not just faith without proper faith. My proper faith must be in Jesus as the Son of the living God and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary. Because watch this. Why is that proper faith? Well, first of all, if Jesus would have just come and would have never died on the cross of Calvary, it would not have been a finished work and we would have not had any way to be in a perfect relationship with God. It's Jesus as the Son of God as the only one that could have done it and what He done for me on the cross, which was a com completely fulfilled the law, completely uh, atoned for every single sin that was ever committed, and make a way that now I can be in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. You know what? Tonight you can have faith, but your faith is no good if it's not faith in Jesus and what He done for me on the cross of Calvary. Paul said, "Examine whether you be in the faith, a specific faith, not just believe that there is." of God. Not just know head knowledge that Jesus is God. Your faith from the heart must be in Jesus Christ and what He done for me on the cross of Calvary or the Holy Spirit does not have access to work in your life like He so wants to do. We cripple the person of the Holy Ghost if our faith it's not complicated. Well, you've said it before. you got to get ready. I'm going to say it an unamount un of times that you can even count. Again, proper faith is faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and what He done for me on the cross of Calvary or it is not faith that God will recognize. You got to get that. You got to understand it. It's not just Jesus. Paul said, I came. I preached Christ and Him crucified. He said, I came and preached Christ and Him crucified because I wanted your faith to stand in the power of God. Faith, it must be in Christ and Him crucified. It's faith, Christ and Him crucified for the preaching of the cross. To them that is perishing is foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. That your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men. But stand in the power of God. 2 Corinthians 2 or 1 Corinthians 2 and 5. But he said this. I determined to know nothing among you. And know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. Brother West. He didn't preach prosperity. He didn't preach word of faith. He didn't preach 12 steps. He didn't preach a denomination. He didn't preach a doctrine. He preached Christ and Him crucified because that is the message of the Bible. My Lord, that is not my message tonight, but I guess it a little bit is. Fighting the fight of faith. Listen, your faith is the very fabric of your relationship with God. 
You don't have a relationship without faith. If, you're not, if your faith is not in Christ, then what he did on the cross of Calvary. Listen, faith, uh, faith as the fabric is what is holding you in relationship. And so fighting the fight of faith is something that we have to have an ongoing conversation about. We have to continue to talk about and we've got to continue to examine. You've got to thoroughly examine. I just ask you tonight a heart question that only you can answer. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Because if we're not trusting in Jesus, here, let me, let me make it simple. You can't make it. Without the help of the Holy Spirit. He can't help you. Unless your faith is in Christ. And what he did on the cross. So if I want the help of the Holy Spirit. So I can make it. My faith must be in Jesus. And what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Now. As much as we talk about it. Now I'm going to talk to you. I want you to just to be honest. I want you to think a little bit. As much as we talk about faith. And as much as we talk about proper faith. Why is it at the first sign of trouble that we turn to self in order to fix the problem? Why is it that we depend upon ourselves? Well, one reason is because we, and I said we, we depend upon, I depend upon Steve a whole lot more than what I realize I do. And God is showing me when a trial comes, you're still depending upon you. You're still depending, you're still trusting on you. And you've never been able to do anything except for continue to fail. But at the first sign of trouble, we often resort to self to overcome. And here's the result. It gets worse. I'm preaching good. It gets worse. Because if it's a trial that God is allowing to draw us closer, and every trial is a trial that should draw you closer to the Lord, at some point, we've got to come to the end of self-effort and start to, de- to depend and trust upon what God can do in my life. I've got to come to the end of self and start looking to the Lord. Look, some of us, and I said us, have had family issues, family problems, personal problems, whatever it may be, or problems with another individual. And if we were honest, we've already said all we know to say. We've done all we know to do. The problem is a lot of times, I better preach to me and nobody else so I don't make nobody mad. When I've done all I know to say and done all I know to do, a lot of times I come back and do it again. And it didn't help the first time. So why I think it's going to help the next time, I don't know. But we are so full of self that it is difficult, even though we're people of faith, to Fight the fight of faith and to trust the Lord. The story of David and Goliath, I'll get to my text, is a favorite of the church and rightfully so. There are some truths that i got to back up and look at because they're just too important to overlook that only it'll only build upon our thought and hopefully build upon our faith this evening. First of all, here's the truth that you know, and I, I'm going to bring out a little bit different twist to it maybe, but here's the truth that you know. David is a minority. David was not even put in the lineup by his own dad. David is a minority. And he defeated a giant. He knows nothing about battle. He's known nothing about war. 
He's a shepherd boy is what he is. He's not even at the age to be trained as a warrior. He's a shepherd boy. He's a minority. When when Samuel's coming to pick a king and Jesse brings his son, they leave him out in the field watching after the sheep. He's not even in the lineup. God will choose any of them before he will choose him. He overlooked him. And you know what? I found a lot of times in my own life, I want you to get this, that I, I hear about testimonies, I've heard testimonies of how God has mended marriages, how God has healed bodies, how God has saved loved ones, has brought people's children in, has done all of these things. But a lot of times I will look at that situation and when it's me and my feet are at the, in the fire and I'm the one that is needing God to do that, my mindset goes to, well, God done it for them but he probably won't do it for me. Is that okay? I look at myself as a minority. God healed them, but he probably won't heal me. He restored their marriage, but I'm already making plans for my marriage to go in a different direction. He brought their children in, their mom in, their dad in, but God will never, it'll never happen for me. I look at myself as a minority. And if you're here tonight and you can testify to that, i got a question that I want to ask you. If you've looked at yourself as a minority and said, God will never do it for me, here's my question. Why not? Why not? What has prohibited you from God doing that for you? What is it that has annihilated your family? Where you are all of a sudden not qualified for the blessings of God. What is it that makes us believe that God will do it for somebody else, but He's not going to do it for me? We hear testimonies, miracles of healing. We hear testimonies of how God has, has, uh, has healed a broken heart. How that God has, has I don't know, I don't, I'm lost. I can go, I can go forever. But I just want to know, you've been praying for your children. You've been praying for your marriage. You've been praying for your healing. You've been praying for your mom. You've been praying for your dad. You've been praying for your buddy. You've been praying for your grandchildren. Why is it that we all of a sudden think that I'm eliminated from the blessings of God? God will do it for somebody else, but He's not going to do it for me. I want you to know tonight, that's a lie from the enemy. My Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, He doesn't look at you to see if you're qualified. He doesn't look at you to see how much money you have. He's not looking at your last name. Uh, My God is a God that says, whosoever will, let them come. Uh, And if you'll place your faith in Jesus, uh, you're not disqualified. Uh, You're not eliminated. Uh, You've not been annihilated. God will do for you what He will do for you. For anybody else. We're not a minority. The second thing I want to bring out. Is something is. That we don't need to forget. That the trial. That we're going through. Is to test our faith. Because somebody is watching. Now I got to back up here. And give you just a little bit of background. Just real quickly. I was brought up. And I will always say it. I was brought up, first of all, in the best home that exists, bar none. You may think you were, but you're wrong. I was. Best churches, best pastors. I mean, best pastors got to sit down. Me and Brother Troy went to Shawnee, Oklahoma. 
pastor, childhood pastor of mine had moved out there. I called him a few weeks before we're coming and saying, I've got to bring a horse out to Shawnee, Oklahoma, and you're in Shawnee, I expect lunch. And he said, if you don't call me when you come, he said, you're going to be in big trouble. He called us before we called him on the way down there. What time are you going to arrive? And I, I told him. He came, picked us up, and we went to eat lunch. And I got to look across the table. It's been a long time since I'd seen him of this man and look him right square in the face and tell him that he made a great impression. Brother Troy was there also, and he just sat and just wept. But I said, you made a great impact upon my life. I'll never forget the stand that you make for the Lord. And I just poured out just a moment, and he just, he just sat and wept for a moment. I'll tell you, when I say I've been brought up underneath the best churches, the best pastors, it's, it's the truth. But as a child, I want you to know also, and I put no fault nowhere, as a child, I had the mentality that once you got saved and in the Pentecost church and then all of it, I'm Pentecost. I'm thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I, once you got saved and you got filled with the Holy Ghost and the mentality was now you're a powerhouse and you can defeat and you can do every anything that you need to do spiritually because now you're baptized into the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues. I'm not degrading that. I'm just giving you a mindset. But the truth of the matter is, <laughs> the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not fighting the fight of faith. It equips me for service. Brother West ministered a great message on it last Sunday night. People were filled and refilled. We won't quit. But here's what I want you to know. The, 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 when, when it comes to the trial of my faith, I don't need the mentality that I can be defeat every trial and every enemy because I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I need the mentality that says this, God, I can't, but I believe that you can. I'm not fighting just to, I hope that you're not taking me wrong. I'm not fighting just to be puffed up and say, well, I'm spirit-filled. I'm fighting to believe. I'm fighting for my spiritual life. I'm fighting to keep on. I'm fighting to walk in the Spirit. I'm fighting just to keep on trusting God. And if we're not at the place where we understand, listen, you're fighting to believe you're not fighting an enemy you're not fighting depression you're not fighting your marital problem you're fighting to believe that God will do what he said he will do I seen a believer the other day I seen a believer the other day put on Facebook he said I've been fighting depression My, I didn't I don't know I'm not going to post I will maybe sometimes send somebody a private message but I'm I'm not I don't mean this wrong so immature that I'm going to start a public argument the world don't need to see that that's not helping my friends that are not saved and it's not going to help yours either but I might send them a private message and say hey man what did you mean by that? I'd like to talk about that. I have been known to do that. And it resulted in a phone call and a great conversation. And I'm thankful for that. But a fellow said, I'm in fighting depression. My first question was, why? I'm fighting anxiety. Why? I'm fighting this. I'm fighting that. Why? You're not supposed to be fighting them things. You're supposed to fight to believe that what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary is greater than depression, greater than anxiety, greater than your problem, greater than your trial. That's the only fight that the Bible asks us to get engaged in.
The only fight. Well, you don't know. Be careful. Be careful. Because I just might know. We're supposed to fight to believe. And here's what I want to show you. I want to show you something. If you are one that will fight to believe, now you are a minority. If you're one that will fight to believe, you're a minority. Because most every believer will settle for how it is. Let life go. I've heard some, oh, this is going to sound horrible. I've heard some ignorant messages like the perfect will of God or the permissible will of God. So God has a will for your life and then he has a permissible will that will just allow you to allow whatever and do. No, let me tell you something. God's got a will for your life, period. Done. He's got a will for your life, done. You fight to believe that his will will be done in your life. Now I want to show you something. He's a minority. He's a minority. Okay? And this is why I say David is a minority. I want to ask somebody, everybody to do something that I've never asked you to do before. I want everybody in here to stand up if you can. Now watch this. I'll let you be seated real quickly, but watch this. This is what the children of Israel were doing when David came into the camp. Every one of them was standing there. Jesse said, David, go take your brother something to eat. Check on them. They're about to get in the heat of the battle. Every one of them was standing there. David walks into camp. And then he says, who is that uncircumcised Philistine down there that would defy the living armies of, or, the, or the armies of the living God? Why aren't you with your sheep? Why aren't you watching them few sheep? And, and went on and on and on. Here's what happened. Cole, come here. Watch this. You're doing exactly what the children of Israel did. They watched as one came out from among them. That was the most unlikely that they would have ever chose to fight a battle. Come, my Lord, I feel the presence of the Lord saying right here, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? There's a giant down there in the valley that is cursing our God. Is there not a cause? He's a minority. Let me tell you something. If you're one that will fight the fight to believe, you are a minority. Because most of the church, I don't mean this unkind, is doing exactly what you're doing. Standing and watching. Standing and looking. Most of it is because of fear. We see a lot of that today. We see a lot of t-shirts that says faith over fear. They're about as fake as what you can get. I'm not talking about being ignorant. I'm not talking about being foolish. But if you have rerouted your daily life because of what the news said you need to do, instead of going to a prayer closet and talking to Jesus first, you are operating in fear. Have people tell me what I need to do, don't need to do in regards to church service, this, that, and everything else. My question is, okay, I'll listen to you. How long have you spent praying about that? How long have you spent praying about that? If you've not been praying about it, I'm sorry. I don't need your advice. I need to talk to the Lord. I realize we've got trouble in America. I also realize uh, the day, the hour is drawing close uh, and people are still dying and going to a devil's hell. So forgive me for being more concerned uh, than I am uh, about the other issues in the world. 
Here's the minority. He said, I'll do it. If you're one that says, I'm going to fight the fight of faith, and I'm going to fight to believe, you are a minority. Thank you, Cole. You can be seated. That's what happened. You get the visual. They came. He walked out from amongst them. They made fun of him. And he decided to fight anyway. The next thing I want to bring to your attention. David was prepared. Cole, come back. You got a lot of energy. Come back. He's a good visual. David was prepared. I just I want him up here just a moment because I want you to see. Why is it that if somebody came in this building that was nine feet tall, why would we pick Cole? I mean, he's strong. But he's not going to be my first choice. Okay? My first choice will be an exit door. Amen? Why is it David's prepared and he's qualified? You look at Cole, how in the world is he prepared and how is he qualified? Samuel or Saul said, I'll tell you what, David, take my armor. Watch this. I want you to. Come on, put it on. Stand there. That's what it looked like. That's what it looked like. And he walked away. And then he got to looking at it. Is that coat something you'd want to wear? Why? It's heavy. David said, you know what? I don't want that coat. I haven't proven that. I've not proven that. But I tell you what, Saul, the same God that delivered me from the bear and from the lion, well... I believe he's going to deliver me from the hand of Goliath. Saul says, well, whatever you think, I mean, do what you want. And David says, okay. He takes a little trip. He goes down to a place called a brook, which was a stream of water, which is a type of the Holy Spirit. He pulls out five smooth stones. Five is the number of God's grace. He reaches down. He gets five smooth stones. Reach down and get five smooth stones. Come on, we practice and he puts them in his satchel. When he gets them in his satchel, he says, here we go. I've done being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I dipped my feet in the water, I came out with the grace of God, which is the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. Now you point me to a giant. Where's Goliath at now? And then he walks out. Listen, now he's fully prepared. Faith Worship Center, I want to say something to you tonight. If you've been here very long at all, you have been prepared. We've not fed you with a bunch of brass and, and man-made kind of armor. We've not give you power of words. We've not give you denomination. We've give you the message of Christ and Him crucified. We've explained grace. We've explained mercy. We give you time to be in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know something. You may think I'll never make it in this battle. You may think I'll never be able to survive. I come to tell you the devil is a liar. You are prepared. You will make it. You can win. You can defeat whatever you are facing today. Because you're prepared. I don't say that boastfully. 
We got some of the best Bible teachers and preachers that there are around around here. Amen. We have an understanding of the knowledge of the Word of God. There's a reason tonight that we've got a crowd here. There's a reason there was 94 in attendance on a Wednesday night. Because the hand of the Lord is upon you. And the presence of the Lord flows like a river through this place. I want you to know you are fully able to take on the trial that God has allowed. Yes, you can. You can make it. You can do it. And he says this. I want to look at the root issue. You can sit in my seat because I don't know if I'm done with you or not. Stay up here with us. I want to look at the root issue. The number one question in the trial when there's a spiritual battle. Do you believe that the God that you serve, it's going to sound blunt, but it'll be easy to understand. Do you believe that the God you serve is greater than the circumstance that you're facing? Because really, there was a young man went to a church and became the youth pastor of that church. You may have heard this story. I don't know. It's a true story. Became the youth pastor of that church doing a fabulous job. And while he's there being the youth pastor, he was getting out in the community, he was witnessing to, he was right at their age, boys and girls. A girl came in and gave her heart to the Lord that was known, how do I say this? Her past was very polluted to the point that even into prostitution she gave her heart to God and began to serve God faithfully he started dating her a little bit after and not long they were married in that church the pastor come and I'm running through this he resigned they were going to vote on a new pastor and they asked him if he would be willing to allow the church to vote on him. And he said, I would entertain it, but I want to talk to the Lord first. He'd already done a great work there and still active in the church. And so they said, well, we're going to have a meeting tonight and see if the rest of the church, what they think about you becoming a pastor. He said, okay. So they're having their meeting, and while they're having their meeting, he went to the church to go to his office to pick up some material that he needed or youth or whatever. And he walked in the foyer and the double doors were shut and he could hear the meeting going on and something caught his ear so he walked over to the double door and he heard the conversation and the conversation went along these lines. I don't think that we even ought to entertain the thought of him being our pastor because of the past of his wife. Everybody knows how she was and I don't think that will look good on our church, this, that, and went on and went on about it, beating her down. She'd already been coming, been saved. Been, they, they're now married. So he walks through the double doors, the place you can imagine you could hear a pin drop. And he goes to the front. They were speechless. 
And he said, I have overheard your conversation. And I want you to know to save you the trouble. I'm not interested in being the pastor of this church at all. You're not voting on me. Because this is the only time that I have walked into a place and you are actually putting the blood of Christ on trial. It's got nothing to do with my wife. He said it comes down to the point, do you believe that the blood of Christ was, could justify and wash her clean? And you don't believe that. And if you don't believe that, I don't have nothing to preach. And so he walked out from where he was. And this situation is the same thing, and it is with us. I ask you the question, do you believe the God that you serve is greater than the trial that you're facing? I want you to think about it. Because if we're honest, that's not even really a thought when we're in the heat of the battle. But it all boils down to this question. Do you believe that Jesus is greater than the attack that the enemy has brought upon you? Do you believe that Jesus is greater than the blindness that is keeping your lost loved ones from being saved? Do you believe that Jesus is greater than the temptation or lust that has come into your home or your marriage or whatever the case may be? You see, we have this picture. And we got to ask our question, the question, do you believe that the God that we serve and what he done on the cross is greater than your issue? Here's what Goliath did. Stand up, David. Here's what Goliath did when he saw him. He's right there. He says, am I a dog? You come to me with staves. That's what you're doing. You're coming to me with your little staves. And then he says this. He starts to curse him by his gods. And if we look at that, his God that he cursed, that he cursed him by, the God, the Philistine God was Dagon. You know, we read about Elijah and the God, the, them calling out to Baal. Do you know they actually believe that Dagon was the father of Baal? And so he's cursing him, Dagon this, Dagon that. But I don't know if Goliath may have forgot. We read about Dagon in chapter number 5, and we know that David had to know a little bit about this because David is the one that was so, David was consumed, or let me say it like this, very involved with the Ark of Covenant. And when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant and took it and placed it before Dagon in 1 Samuel chapter number 5 as a type of your God is underneath our God, they got up that morning and Dagon, which was, let me say it like this, their fish god. He's literally a fish god, but also a god of grain. And as a fish god and a god of grain, they believe this. He provides our grain, our food, but also provides our meat, our food. He's the god that provides everything and is able to provide everything for me. And when they got up the next morning, Dagon, the fish god, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture, but he's an ugly-looking creature. He had fallen over. So they got up, and they set him back up by the Ark of the Covenant. And I know that most of you know this, but after when they come in the next time, his head had fallen off, and his arms had been chopped off as to say, look, God, look, you know how long it took God to do that? 
just the next day. He's not going to play around very long with some false image or some false god. In other words, your God is has no life at all. And I'll take his arms off to show you that he has no power at all. So here's what we know. David probably had knowledge of that. And Goliath come and said, my God, Dagon will give me the power to overcome you. And then David is probably thinking, is that all you got? You're going to claim Dagon? You're going to claim the help of one whose head and his arms is already falling off? Come on. And then he says, I tell you what, uh, I'm not going to even acknowledge your false God. Uh, Here's what I'm going to acknowledge. You come to me with a spear and with a sword, and I will come to you in the name of the Lord. And this day uh, I will feed your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the land, and they shall know that there is a God in Israel. The contest was all about whose God is greater Whose God is greater? The fight, the circumstance is all about whose God is greater. With David's knowledge, I want you to know that our trial ought to make us, thank you, stay with me. I might use you again. Our trial ought to make us recall the mighty works of God. Here's something that you, that you already know, but listen to it. I'm not telling you to it as a story. I'm one, I'm, I'm a little different. I may be a minority, but I actually believe the Word of God. I believe all of the Word of God. This is not some letters that's been pulled from Dead Sea Scrolls. This is not just some men writing me stories in a book. I believe the Word of God, and I believe all of the Word of God. I want you to know, you know about the Red Sea. Listen, of a truth, God parted the Red Sea. You already know about the Jordan River, but of a truth, God parted the Jordan River. Here's the truth. God did quench the fire that the three Hebrew children were in. Here's the truth. God did shut the mouth of a lion. You already know about some of these things, but the truth of the matter is, He can still the storm. He can raise the dead. He can turn the water into wine. Here's the truth. He's alive. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And He is greater than any trial that you'll ever face. That's the truth. So here's what we know. It's not just a story. The question is a heart question. I'm asking you a question right now. Do you believe that Jesus is greater than your trial? Or do you believe the trial is going to eliminate you out of the will of God. It'll be one or the other. You've not been called to fight a battle in the natural. David didn't look at David and say, how big is that guy? Or David didn't look at Goliath and say, how big is that guy? He gave no thought to it. He looked to God. He looked to the Lord. Listen, I'm going to say this. I'm about to quit. You're not fighting. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our fight is fighting to believe that Jesus will do what he promised that he would do. I want to tell you a quick, Brother Jeff, would you come bring all of singers, musicians. We're just going to have a time of worship. I want you to be refreshed, restored, something upbeat. 
if you can. Here's what I want you to think about. Tell you this quick story, and I'm going to have an altar call. I'm going to let you come, just be restored, refreshed. Think about this. I went out right before church at my house, and I was going back behind the pond to open another gate. Snow and stuff come in and wet and rain. I, I brought my horses up where they were all had a stall or had a shelter. That's just what I do. And so now I'm mixing them back where I wanted them, giving them access to the backfield and everything. And I went out, my sidekick Max jumped on the ranger with me and because uh, I got lazy and I didn't want to walk back there. And I started the ranger up and I looked right in front of me and I got two colts standing there. And I'm supposed to have three. So I scrolled through the pen the best I could, looked in the cover, down at the bottom of the triangle where the coats are at, couldn't see her nowhere. I thought, what in the world? I got a coat, got out, and got with the big horses. So I walked around just to look, and when I did, I got a wooden rail fence. And the part there I'm talking about is, I don't know, foot and a half off the ground, maybe a foot off the not very high at all. And there's my coat laying halfway underneath the fence. And I stopped and looked at her for just a moment. And my first thought was, that colt is dead. That colt has died. I'm telling you, not a movement, nothing. Not moving, not doing anything. So I went through the gate. I walked around the other two colts, and I got probably from me to Melissa from that colt laying on the ground. And one thing about horses, one of the greatest fears, if not their greatest fear, is that they're laying down. Because as a big animal, strong animal, they feel successful. They feel a predator is easy, has easy access, literally. We've used that against them a few times, but that's one of their greatest fears. You don't walk up on a horse that is laying down without them jumping up, getting up, unless something's bad wrong. This is a colt. Barely broke with a halter on, and all of a sudden I get about this close, no movement, nothing. And I stopped and looked at her, and I seen her breathe. And I thought, well, she's alive. I don't know how alive. I walked through the other gate where I could get to the other side of the fence, and this colt is laying there and got half its head in mud and water. And I thought, how's she not drowned? She's probably too far gone. So I went around there. I grabbed my phone fast as I could. I called Sister Becky, and I said, you're going to have to run out here and get me a rope. I've got to try to put a rope and pull this coat back underneath this rail. I was afraid to leave her at that point. I was afraid that she would struggle and that she would hurt herself worse or kill herself. She was still alive. So anyway, she said, I'm on my way, and by the time that she was getting back out there, I just got down on my leg and got my hands. The ground was slick. You could see a big place where she had fought for her life. And I pushed with everything I had and got her shoved back up underneath that fence. And she jumped straight back up on her feet. Now, how many is thinking, what's that got to do with anything you said tonight? Now, listen. You may be here tonight, and at the point that you have been held down so bad, you have fought, 
you have kicked, you have wallered out and made a big mess, came to the place, I ain't nothing else I can do, and laying there lifeless. You may think your marriage is lifeless, your relationship is lifeless, your hope, whatever it is, your trial is lifeless, and just laying there thinking, when am I going to take, when is it going to be over? Just when is it going to be over? This colt was not having a good time with half of her head, eyeball matted with mud. I took her out, give her first bath, and get it all. She was not having a good time. She was waiting for it to be over and just be completely done. When I walked around there, here's what I done. The reason I called Sister Becky is because I made up my mind, because there was, I feel this in my spirit because there was still life in her I was not going to leave her even to run and get a rope and come right back until I'd done everything I could to get her to where she would stand back up and once she stood back up she was ready to go here's what I want to tell you about that little story you may have fought and fought and fought to the place that you think you're lifeless but I got to believe according to the character of the God that I serve he has walked over there to you tonight uh, and he refuses to leave uh, he won't move uh, he won't go anywhere until he's done everything he can to get you back up on your feet uh, and if you'll just trust him uh, he'll give you a shove uh, and you'll stand back up uh, and go on uh, just like it never even happened I brought her out, I washed her off, and the, the, her being on the ground and being in the battle, it was all over with like she had never even been there. And tonight, I believe that if you'll get back to fighting the right fight of faith, fighting to believe that you can go on about life. Look, you've been down in the dumps. You've held your head down. You've suffered oppression. Uh, you've wanted to quit. You've had your tail tucked between your legs and tried to run. Everything that you can do. But I want to tell you tonight, if you're, uh, I, I just come to encourage you. I come to encourage you to fight to believe. God's not going to leave you. God's not done with you. He's not done with the situation. Uh, it may not turn out exactly like you thought it would. But I promise you this. If you'll trust God, you'll be happy with the results. Uh, if you'll keep your faith in Christ, you won't have a complaint when it's all over. Uh, here's what I'm asking God to do. I'm asking God to shove somebody, give them a good hard shove, uh, a refreshing, uh, a restoration that you will jump back up and go on and live in life. That's what I'm asking God. Help me. Stand up. Come up. You can stand up here and worship. Give us an opportunity to pray one for another. You can do whatever you like. But if you've been in the heat of the battle, I've been praying all afternoon that God would encourage you. I can give you a shove under the fence, but I can't make you stand back up. I can't make you stand back up. That's between you and God. That is your faith. So here's your shove. Let God do the work in your life that He wants to do. Come on, help me tonight.
song you can worship with us, pray one for another. Just let the Lord use you tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, you got people that need prayer. Help us. I'm going through with Jesus. Hallelujah. Open to his damn star. Cross a lot of little streets 
somebody. Somebody ought to want to clap tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we honor you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I made this statement that everything about living for the Lord is a fight that you are fighting to believe. I'm gonna, I gotta explain that real briefly, I promise. You know, every time that you've come up for a healing and not received, you're fighting to believe that Jesus is still a healer. Every time that you have come up for deliverance from a bondage and didn't receive, you're fighting that what Jesus, fighting to believe that what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary is greater than your bondage. If you've came up asking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and didn't receive, you're fighting to believe that that promise is still for you. Amen. Whatever it may be, you're fighting the fight of faith. You're not fighting oppression. You're not fighting lies. You're not fighting your spouse. You're not fighting uh, somebody else. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're just fighting to believe that what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary is greater than whatever you're facing. And I'll be the first to say I'm thankful that that's all God asked of me. Amen. And so uh, tonight, i tell you what I want to do. I know that normally Sunday night, maybe our prayer line is a little bit different, but I feel the Lord has encouraged somebody. I think that God has touched somebody's heart. But there's, before we leave, I want to take just a moment. If you've got a need or maybe you wish you would have come earlier and, and ask us to pray, I want them to play, sing, just whatever it may be. But if you've got a need tonight, I want to, maybe you're here. I just feel like I need to do that. And you say, you know what? My, wake, my, my faith is weak. It's weak. I just want you to pray that God would, that, to pray that my faith would not fail as the Lord would pray for Peter. Whatever it may be, I just don't want to leave. It's still early. I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity. Please sing something. If you need prayer, I want you to come so I know that you need prayer. And we're going to believe God for you tonight. Maybe you've got a family. Your family needs to come. I don't know. Whatever it is. Play softly, please. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. If you come after we start praying, sometimes I miss somebody, and I don't want to do that. We have several believers up here already. We're just fighting to believe. Prayer line a little different tonight. I'm going to ask these pastors to stay with me. And as we get to you, just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship God. Get on your mind who God is and that God is able to meet your need tonight. And we're just going to make our way through this line as these guys will help me. Go ahead, sing please something for here me. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my
If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family. <laughs>